0: What's up, Fertility Underground? It's Talia. I've decided, by the way, I don't want to call myself Talia Lavore. I feel like it sounds like pretentious or something, even though I do have a pretty awesome name. Although I would be lying to you if I told you that nobody told me it was kind of a stripper name. Um, I've heard that more than once. Totally random, but I thought I'd share that with you. So I just wanted to tell you that I'm going to go by Talia. Thankfully, I don't have a lot of competition with the name Talia. Um, I joke around with the women that I work with that you know they can always name their kid Talia, but in reality, please don't. I like not having <laughs> a lot of Talias out there. Although there is a gorgeous singer named Talia, um, and uh, let's just say people don't confuse the two of us. But anyway, I had an idea for some shows that I want to record and hopefully this will be something I do. Not hopefully, it will be something I do very regularly. I've been spending some time on some Reddit forums. I'm loving these. Um, just so fascinating. I love getting in there. I want to have my finger on the pulse. I want to hear what you're talking about. I want to hear about what you're struggling with, what questions you have, what you're celebrating, what's working for you, what's not working for you. And I've been hopping on there and I could literally spend hours and hours and hours and hours every day. I, of course, like my blood pressure rises, my heart rate increases because I want to reach out and help and hug every single human that I see on there. And so I decided that it would take me an eternity to sit there and type out answers to everything or suggestions or support or whatever I have to say. So I decided I'm going to do a bunch of these podcast episodes where, and I don't know what I want to call it. So if you have any ideas, let me know, but like Reddit rampages or Talia reads Reddit. I don't know. But I am literally going to hop on Reddit every single day and scroll through and find things that I want to talk to you about. I have many. I could do this, like I said, for hours every day. So, uh, And then maybe I'll just post these in there as a way for people to gain some insight. But it, it literally crushes me when I'm in there. First of all, there's so much misinformation. I don't know necessarily where in the line of communication it's coming from. I'm sure a lot of it is coming from providers that have no clue what they're talking about or are perhaps not communicating well with their patients Um, uh, maybe some of it comes from interpretation from women and what their doctors are saying, but there's just so much misinformation. Some of it is coming from, you know, people interpreting what they read on the internet and sharing it. Some of that is correct. Some of it's not. And, uh, it just like literally my blood starts boiling when I'm hearing like overt, outright incorrect information out there. So that's, I want to like go after that. I want to provide some insight and perspectives and all this stuff. So anyway, I want to do this a lot. I'm going to read to you one, something that jumped out to me and just going to riff on it. I am not going to plan for any of this stuff. I'm just going to read it and riff. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So this one says, my sister-in-law just announced to the family that her transfer of her only PGS normal embryo failed. They have no plans on doing IVF again. The family's totally devastated, especially my mother-in-law. Just crazy that we are both going through this at once. Apparently her the doctor told her he might have dropped the embryo or something. I can't believe he told them that. He gave them an 85% chance of pregnancy, which I think is an overestimation, and got their hopes up. Then, of course, people were replying to her that, like, oh, my God, he straight up dropped the embryo. Basically, she said that he said he, he told them that he doesn't understand why it didn't work. Everything was perfect, including her lining, so maybe the embryo was dropped. I think that was maybe his way of communicating either weird humor or... I don't know. But the things I hear, by the way, if you please share with me, please share with me the crazy ass stuff that your doctor tells you. Um, I hear the most insane stories. I think we should compile like a list of the craziest, weirdest, either inappropriate, odd, uh, offensive, weird stuff that doctors share. Anyway, so I wanted to... Just talk about this one for a bit because what really stood out to me is that um, a couple things. Number one, she only had one PGS normal embryo and that that transfer failed. So there's a lot that you could unpack here, but I think I want to focus on this whole thing about the PGS normal embryo. If you have so, PGS is basically pre implantation genetic screening where a small biopsy is taken of the embryo, but most often done at a blastocyst stage, um, and they look to see if there are chromosome abnormalities. Um, I personally. Am pretty anti-PGS. I don't know how many people are going to say that to you. I think that it's really only helpful in a handful of situations. I think it's inherently flawed. I think that it costs a lot of money. Um, but in this instance, it's actually helpful because, and by the way, I will record many. Many videos and podcasts talking about that because I know it goes against the grain. I know that everybody's doing PGS right now. Um, Everybody recommends it, and I'm going to walk you through why I disagree with that largely. Um, What I think, though, in this case is very interesting, and where PGS is actually helpful, is highlighting the fact of having this loss of what we call a euploid or normal embryo. So basically what they're saying is they did biopsies of this embryo. The chromosomes are normal. And so most of the time we think, okay, if we have a transfer that is unsuccessful, that doesn't implant, it's mostly because they, they'll they tell you that it's because the um, genetics are abnormal, right? So this baby had abnormal chromosomes it it would have never survived. Um, in this case too, she said that the lining was quote unquote normal. Now, we don't have all the insights there, okay? I don't know what her the doctor considers to be normal. Maybe they thought 8 millimeters is a great lining, which is not necessarily a great lining. It's an okay lining. Maybe they didn't do a good job of looking at the lining. Maybe this person has a small polyp um, that they just discounted or never saw. I mean, there's a lot of things in there, but what I want to talk about this is this idea of having a normal embryo that does not implant. And that just sends off like major alarms to me. And a few things step out and jump out to me. One of which is that you can actually have a PGS normal, a euploid, a chromosomally normal embryo. And this could happen, by the way, in a person who's going through IVF or somebody with a natural pregnancy. Obviously with natural conception, we're not testing these embryos, but what I'm going to tell you about can happen in either population. And basically, so you have a normal embryo, but it actually can flip-flop to abnormal And this is crazy. And by the way, this can happen the other way. Um, You can have a genetically quote-unquote abnormal or aneuploid embryo that actually has the ability to become euploid and then become a successful pregnancy. Hint, hint, this is one of the reasons that I am not a big fan of PGS, particularly in women who have diminished ovarian reserve who are older, women who are not getting a lot of embryos and whose embryos are almost all going to be likely aneuploid or quote unquote abnormal, there is the possibility that the body can flip-flop that or that the embryo can flip-flop and become euploid and you can get a successful and healthy pregnancy. So in this case, we're talking about where it goes the opposite direction, where basically that embryo that was tested normal now becomes abnormal. And we can see this um, a lot of times with certain conditions like PCOS with endometriosis. Now, these could be PCOS endometriosis that are known or that are undiagnosed because the doctor has no clue that they even exist. could happen in um, conditions like obesity. There's a lot of conditions where this can happen, and a large percentage of them, it's because of my favorite topic, these mitochondria that are in the cells. The mitochondria are the energy powerhouses of the cells, and they need to be in good numbers, and they need to be working very, very well to keep things going on the right track. As we have this little human that is starting with a very small number of cells and is growing exponentially rapidly. This requires insane amounts of energy from the mitochondria. And if these mitochondria do not have the proper amount of numbers, and if they are not Producing, if they are not functioning appropriately, not only can they not sustain the energy, but they also make a lot of things called reactive oxygen species, which can then damage DNA. And if that can't be repaired, basically what happens is you can get an embryo that can't maintain its integrity. Okay, so it started off with these normal chromosomes, but as it's dividing and dividing and dividing and dividing and replicating and dividing and dividing and dividing, and dividing it can't maintain it. And suddenly you get a flip-flop to an abnormal embryo. So that's one thing that stands out to me. And that's why you have to address these issues way, way, way before, months before you do IVF, you have to identify risk factors and and address these things because there are many things you can do to support what we would call mitochondrial biogenesis, basically helping your body's cells make these energy powerhouses, and to support the function of the mitochondria. So we can do a lot for that. But how many doctors are even knowledgeable about this? And how many of them know what to do? There are other things that can be done in the IVF process too to kind of support this process. But basically, you get this reversing. And it is this flip-flopping can be reversed, but you have to address it way earlier in the path. So that's one of the first things that stands out to me. If I have somebody who comes to me and they have a known euploid or chromosomally normal embryo, and they have a unsuccessful um, transfer and they don't either, they don't get implantation or they have an early miscarriage. The other thing that stands out to me in this case is, is there an issue with maternal tolerance? So, We're going to talk about this a lot because it's very confusing and because I think we need to kind of, this is, there are a lot of things we're going to beat the the drum on it until it makes sense, right? Until you hear what you need to hear for it to make sense to you. But the human body is fascinating how mammals carry their young, not in, they don't have eggs and then lay them and walk away. We carry our young inside of us, knowing that it is a foreign invader basically. So we have to have this very delicate thing happening where the body knows, has to acknowledge that it the baby that the embryo that the fetus is a foreign body, a foreign invader, but it has to acknowledge it, but then it also has to tag it as saying, okay, we know you're a foreign invader, but we are going to accept you and allow you to stay here. We're going to keep the immune response at bay. Because otherwise normally the body will tag and attack any foreign invader. And that is a good thing. I know you want to maybe be mad at your body for this because sometimes it goes awry. But this is the thing that lets you survive every single day in this world while you are exposed to viruses and bacteria and funguses and parasites every single day of your life. It allows you to survive. I know it's like the thought that your body could be attacking your baby or your embryo or your, or the fetus is like obviously heartbreaking and you want to scream and you want to throw things and you want to be mad at your body. And I understand that, but that is the thing that is your body protecting and serving you every single day. It's our job as people in healthcare and fertility specialists to identify when this is not working appropriately. So Sometimes what happens is that, so this process of understanding that this is a foreign invader, but then allowing that foreign invader to stay there and kind of managing the immune response is called maternal tolerance. And in certain cases, you have skewed maternal tolerance. Anybody who has an autoimmune condition, and I'm including PCOS because I think it's probably underestimated as an autoimmune condition, anybody with endometriosis, which is probably half of the women listening to this podcast right now, whether you know it or not, anybody with Hashimoto's, anybody with SLE, anybody with any um, ulcerative colitis, um, undiagnosed bowel conditions, has likely autoimmune components, and any autoimmune condition can throw off immune tolerance. So this is very big. So those are the big things standing out to me. If you know, because you you know are <laughs> living through this process of IVF, if you know that you are transferring a euploid, PGS, genetically normal baby, and it is not um, implanting or you have a miscarriage there, this is a big sign that things are going on in these areas. Is that everything? Not necessarily, but the same things that are causing this reversing from a normal, uh, embryo to an abnormal embryo, the same things that are causing, uh, issues with immune tolerance. Those can also cause a lot of other things like progesterone resistance, um, or changes in receptivity in the lining of the uterus, in the endometrium. It can cause um, changes in the microbiome of the reproductive system, meaning our reproductive organs, the cervix, the vagina, the uterus, the fallopian tubes, the, the ovaries, and the actual follicles themselves all have a microbiome. That means that there are bacteria that live in there, and are supposed to be there, but sometimes that gets skewed. So that can be an issue. I mean, I could talk to you about a million things that could be going on, but I find that they're often rooted in a lot of these core things. Does everybody fall into the category of PCOS and endometriosis? No, but I will tell you that I it is my opinion that the huge um, group of people here, if you get to the point that you are needing to go to IVF, although many people, people are ushered there more quickly than I think is necessary that it is skewed way, 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 way more into the fact that you have some of these underlying conditions that you have issues with your mitochondria. They can't support the the developing properly developing embryo. You have issues with your immune tolerance. You have issues with receptivity in the endometrium. So there needs to be a lot more digging done here. And I think that um, women, it can be just absolutely devastating to know that you, for some reason, and it makes sense. If we know that that baby was chromosomally abnormal and we lose it, or if it doesn't implant, you have a miscarriage. I feel like sometimes you can come to grips with that because you're like, you can walk yourself through it. Like, okay, well, this baby would have never survived. You know, you can use whatever thing you need to walk yourself through. But when you know that that baby was chromosomally normal, that's like a dagger to the heart. It's all a dagger to a heart, but this is can be even worse. But to me, it is like alarms, like warning, 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 red light, red light, red light, like this needs to be looked at. Do not keep going forward with the same process. Do not go forward and expect a different outcome when something like this happens if you lose a baby that's genetically normal you may be at risk for losing many more babies that are genetically normal and you need to be working with somebody who has a deep and strong understanding of the immune system because if we're talking about the reversing this mitochondrial reversing and this flip-flopping of an embryo from abnormal to abnormal that is largely based in issues with the immune system, issues with mitochondria. These people that you are working with need to know what the heck they're talking about. And if you start asking them questions about this and they either dismiss it or they drug their feet or they seem really not knowledgeable, then you need to move on. And to be honest with you, you probably need to move on anyway because if you have a doctor that When you lose a baby or you're not successful with a a euploid or normal embryo, and your doctor's response is, Oh, well, I have no idea what could have happened because you should have been successful. And I maybe must have been dropped on the floor because that's the only reason you wouldn't have been successful. Like, get the hell out of there. Do not spend your money there. Do not spend your time there. Please go somewhere else. Ask, reach out to anybody. Like, I will help you. I will guide you. Um, I am trying to build a database of doctors across the United States and the country and the globe that actually have a freaking clue about what's going on. By the way, if you have a doctor that you work with that's extremely knowledgeable, that's helped you with your immune system and reproductive immunology, please let me know who that is. I'm going to try to build this database and vet these people. But in the meantime, like, I know that you want to be pregnant yesterday, but we have to pump the brakes here because if you keep investing money and time and emotions and energy into these people, you are not going to get the outcome you want. So with, I wanted to share this today because this is not, and my ice makers making ice, this is not an isolated thing. This is not an isolated thing. This is another reason too, that even though it's a very touchy subject, that if you I talk to women about being prepared that if you have a miscarriage that you really demand from your provider that that baby's tested so that you know if that was a chromosomally abnormal or normal baby we need to know these things because if you have a miscarriage if it's a natural conception or otherwise and that baby is chromosomally normal again light bulbs light bulbs alarms alarms like we need to take this down another direction. Okay, we need to be really honing in on egg quality, but with a real smart, you know, being smart about mitochondria and knowing about what's going on in the immune system. And then again, there are steps also that can be taken during the IVF process, whether it's the culture medium, basically the environment they're growing the embryo in, um, steps that are taken during the transfer process. I mean, this is complex. So you need to be working with somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, okay, and just... Please pump the brakes, do not go back there, start asking questions. I am going ask me questions. I will make a, a million trillion gazillion bazillion podcasts, YouTube episodes, whatever I need to do to clarify this and to help give you the resources that you need to be successful. So if you have transferred a euploid PGS normal normal embryo, normal chromosomes, and you are failing or you're having miscarriages, You need to consider these options. So I hope this was helpful for you. Again, if you have a name for what we want to talk about, this Reddit thing, please let me know, post in Reddit, send me, you can, on Anchor, you can um, record a message for me and I can answer that in an episode. I will, you can record 10 messages. I really don't care. I love it. Like, give me whatever you got and I'm going to go at it. And by the way, if I don't have the answer, I will research it and research it. I'm like, like way OCD about this stuff. And I will get the answer for you because weird things happen weird things come up. Like right now I have a woman I'm working with, with type one diabetes and that's not necessarily common. You know, not every woman has type one diabetes. So I have to think about things in a new way for her. And sometimes I don't know the answer and I need to do my due diligence and find it for her. But the cool thing is that once I do that for her, I can then bring it to you. So, uh, in fact, you know, I'm going to shut this microphone off and record another episode about that. So if you found this to be helpful, please let me know, leave me a message, leave me a recording, share this. If it would help somebody that, you know, um, let's build this community. Remember no woman left behind. I want to reach a million women. There are millions and millions and millions of you and me out there who have struggled with this, who are struggling with this, and that if you just hear the right things, you you may find exactly what you need to bring you, you success or your sister-in-law or your neighbor or your coworker or your whatever, your daughter. Let's share this among the community, this can grow and be an amazing place for women. Hit the subscribe button, give me your honest reviews, and I will see you next time uh, as we address more and more of your questions in the Fertility Underground. Thank you so much for spending your time with me, and I'll talk to you soon.